All right, we're going to welcome everybody to another episode of Truth Seekers. We have John Rennie joining us. We will introduce him shortly. Uh, we just want to let everybody know where you can find us at ProAdvisorCoach.com and anywhere you watch your podcast. We're everywhere you can think of. We're on Anchor, we're on Podbean, we're on LinkedIn, we're on YouTube, we're on Apple Podcasts. I'm probably missing some, but wherever you watch your podcast, look for Truth Seekers with Josh and Nick. You may notice as we get started here that it isn't uh, Josh and Nick, it is Josh and John. We have uh, John filling in and co-hosting today. So John, appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, looking forward to it. Absolutely, so I'm excited to introduce John. He's got a super interesting background. I love his approach to business. He identifies himself as an entrepreneur and I would like to welcome John to the episode. Hey, good to be here. So John, I want to jump right in. I know that you, you do a lot around the topic of leadership. I believe you, you host your own podcast. How did you get to where you are today? What, what has made you you? Well, I started my career uh, as a naval officer on a nuclear submarine, which is a very unique way to start a career. So I had got an engineering degree. I spent uh, five years in the Navy. Um, I made seven deployments on the USS Tennessee towards the end of the Cold War. And then I got out of the Navy and I went into business and I ended up leading uh, nine different manufacturing businesses throughout my career, including my own business. Now I started about five and a half years ago uh, called Peak Demand. So I've been running that for the, almost six years now. So I guess I started in the Navy and I just continued in corporate America and then eventually became an entrepreneur. So I've been in leadership for more than 30 years and I absolutely love it. I love people. I love um you know, getting the most out of people and helping people become the best versions of themselves. Mm, that strikes a chord so much with Coach John and I, because that's what ProAdvisor Coach is all about. We take, you know, it's people first, always. It's all, all about people, no matter what that is, satisfying our clients' needs, keeping them happy, wowing them, but also our employees. We want full engagement and people to be aligned with purposeful work and, and uh, you know, be aligned under a common mission and vision to achieve things that make a difference in the world. And you know, we can, we can have the best of that world along with structure and, and goals and process and procedure. And I'm curious, you know, how much of your background has played a role in your management style or your entrepreneurial style, if you don't mind, you know, maybe starting there. Yeah, I think it really did. You know, I, I, it actually, probably in the last 10 years, I realized what a unique background I had being a submarine officer because, and, and that really formed a foundation for my leadership and, and what I've done over the years. And part of the reason was we were, um, you know, when you're on a submarine, you work in close proximity to everybody because it's so small, right? So you got to know your people intimately, right? And it was always about not just the mission, but the people, right? So our job was to, you know, conduct a very serious and difficult mission, but we also had to make sure that everybody came home safe. So I think from that point on, I was always about mission and people, mission and people. And that's what I did throughout my entire career. And what I found was, that was actually rather unique because not all leaders think about the people. They think about the mission maybe. And, and, and a lot of times it's because it, it's tied to a bonus check or tied to an advancement or something like that. But what I found is if you just take care of the mission and the people and you do it for the right reasons, in other words, just, you know, not to get the next promotion, but to, you know, be a successful uh, organization, I found that works much better. That's awesome. Coach John and I have a lot of conversations actually of the way we make sense of this is above and below the waterline. So if you think of an iceberg, right, everybody's got an iceberg example, but above the waterline is those uh, very tangible goals, 
uh, things we're looking to achieve. But of course, the below the waterline is a much bigger portion, the, the psychology, uh, you know, our, our mindset. I think that plays that plays the, the proportion of, you know, the importance of, of where we are below the waterline. So just wanted to ask Coach John, like, how do you make sense of that? And, and what sticks out the most to you about what John is mentioning? Yeah, well, I, I like what you're saying. I, I uh, was in the corporate world for 34 years as an executive. And I realized that the only way to really effectively lead people is to manage the person, not really manage them, but, but care about the person, not the tasks. Everybody knows how to do the task, but when their minds get in the way, they don't do it because they don't feel appreciated or whatever it is they're, they're going through. So if you just care about them as people, Mm. kind of works out for itself. Is that kind of what you're saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, a lot of times they call it the soft skills, right? You go to business school and they teach you accounting and they teach you marketing and sales and they teach you ethics and law, right? They teach you the hard skills because that's really what's important. But you don't walk away with an MBA. In most cases, there are some exceptions with any, but, but most cases you don't walk away with any leadership skills whatsoever. So you have all these uh, you've been told your whole life that it's all the hard skills. But what you mentioned, uh, Josh, was below the waterline are the soft skills. It's people. It's, you can't accomplish anything without people. And I think that that's really my message. You know, it's a great story. If you've ever watched the commissioning of a ship in the Navy, and I, I'm a sucker for Navy tradition. I just love, you know, seeing all the pomp and circumstance and all the history. But when they do, when they commission a ship, it's a pretty amazing ceremony, but they usually have their ship sponsor. So I was watching the USS Gerald R. Ford, which is an aircraft carrier, and they went through a commission, and they have a sponsor. In this case, it was uh, President Ford's daughter was the sponsor. And the order she gives is pretty amazing. She says, man the ship and bring her to life. And I really, you know, that's really struck me when I was sitting there watching that ceremony. I thought, you know what, that ship is just a cold hunk of steel sitting in the harbor until you put people on it, until you man that ship, you bring it to life. And it's the same thing with our businesses, right? It is nothing. Our business plans, our strategic plan, our vision, it is absolutely nothing without people. Our, our people bring our plans to life. Our people bring our businesses to life. And I really like that analogy, the Navy analogy, because it really has a great visual and, it, and it's, it's a tradition that's been going on for more than, you know, for 200 years. So we've been commissioning ships that same exact way. Bring it to life with people. Love that. I saw you make a note, Coach. What did you, what did you write down, if I can ask? I, I wrote down, man, the ship, bring it to life. I wrote it down. Yeah. I like that quote. Because it does apply to all of the teams that we coach. Um, you know, they're trying to create a high-performing team. Yeah. And if you really take that quote to life, you realize it's the responsibility of the leader to bring it to life. Yes, exactly. Right? I have a question for you, John. Sure. And that is about the self-awareness of a leader mm. and how leaders, uh, when they're not self-aware, they can have some type of pattern or habit that affects the entire team and they're oblivious to it. They think their team is acting, however, irresponsible, but they're not aware that they're doing it because of their, the way they behave. Sure. Can you give me an example of how you deal with that? 
Well, no, this is a really big problem. Um, you know, it's funny because all these, you know, there's been 15,000 books written on leadership, right? And who reads it? Their good leaders read books on leadership. It's the people that are not self-aware. Um, you know, it's always been a struggle with me when I write about leadership, talk about leadership, is like, how do I reach the people that need the message the most, right? The people that, uh, you know, understand when I talk about you know, when I tweet something like bad bosses uh, lock themselves in their offices and they don't spend time with their people, I have all these people say, yes, that's exactly right. Well, these are the self-aware leaders, right? They're, they already understand that. The question is, how do you get to the people that are not aware? And mm. here's part of the problem is, you know, in, in typically in corporate America, and you, you spent many years there, so you know, is that if you're a great individual contributor, right, or you're the senior person in the department, a lot of times you get promoted to management just because you're, you might be a good individual contributor or you might be senior, right? But nowhere in that time do they give you truly leadership uh, training because your role changes when you become a leader. No longer is it you're the best accountant in the group or you're the best engineer in the group or the best salesman. You are now, you're responsible for leading the people on that team. It's a big difference and it's a shift and many people don't make that shift. So John, maybe and maybe this is something you may have touched upon in your your own podcast but what what might be some signs you know for we talk about good leaders and people who don't know that they need the leadership books yet what about those people on the fence who are just kind of discovering this and just entering into that awareness phase how can they self-identify what what might that look like for them so you know i had a great question i teach a lot at uh, at graduate school level i come in i do leadership uh, sessions with some of the grad students at right uh, i've got a session with duke university here coming up but um that was a great question i had from a young student she said i'm a new leader how do i know if i'm good or not and i said i gave her this answer i said when you walk up to a group of employees what do they do do they all shut up and look the other way or change the subject or do they say Hey, John, how you doing? We were just talking about a way that we can improve, you know, whatever. I mean, just how your employees react when you walk up is a really good indicator of how you're doing as a team. So if they all change the conversation or if, they, if they're surprised to see you, uh, you know, or, um, you know, they don't roll their eyes or whatever, but it's, it's really how do your people respond when you first walk up to them is a really good indicator of how you're doing as a leader. I, I really think that's, the, that's, a, that's a good example. Yeah, it's, it's the eye test, right? That's a you get immediate feedback right away with with uh, how people think of you, and that, that's right, amazing. right. Yeah, you know, and sadly, you know, uh, and you gotta have, you know, I don't know this, you know, it's a soft skill, but I'll say it. You gotta have a little bit of empathy. You gotta have be able to be able to be in your employees' shoes. And I see so many leaders that get up and they'll do a talk, and and you can clearly look around the room and nobody's listening, nobody's paying attention, everybody's rolling their eyes. And that leader will still keep talking and talking and read their PowerPoint slides and, and no one's engaged, nobody cares. And that person is not self-aware enough to know that nobody cares. So part of it is, you know, just, you know, use, use your eyes, use your ears, you listen, watch, you know, look at people's reactions. I mean, is that empathy? I don't know, but it's, you know, these are, these are tools to help you become more, more effective as a leader is watch what's happening with your people. You know, the old phrase like, you're not, you know, one way to tell if you're a leader is to turn around to see if anyone's following you, you know, and I think some leaders, they, they march along and no one's, no one's following them. They're, they're off in another direction or, you know, or another problem too, is that many leaders are isolated, right? So they, 
they stay busy in their offices. So they go to conference calls and they go to, uh, and they, you know, they have meetings and, and they, they find ways to, or excuses to be busy because a lot of times they're afraid to get out and be with their team because they are afraid of what those employees are actually going to say or what the real story is out there. They pretend that everything is fine and, uh, and they try to control the message to their boss and they don't want anything that's messy. And you know what? People are messy. And that's, if you don't, if you don't want to, you know, be involved with people uh, in the messiness of people, don't be a leader, stay in your individual contributor role because people are messy and they're going to do strange things, but you have to just embrace it, love it. And you have, and that's part of being a leader. Love it. I see a lot of head head nods from you. Coach. What do you what do you what are you picking away? What what uh, resonated the most with what he was saying? No, it's so true. Um, you know, as a coach, I've learned that it's it's you know the value of a leader is the same as a coach. It's your people want to do good. Hmm. Your people want to achieve whatever their goals are, but they might not know how, and they might be embarrassed and. You need to get that stuff out in the open yeah. in order for them to really get real and, and yep. you know, deal with the truth. And once they're open enough, then they can, oh, okay, I need to work on this. How do I learn this? But if they're afraid of those perceived difficult conversations, they're really not difficult. They're just kind of being you. Right, right. right. Absolutely. And it, it's getting rid of that fear. And, and I think it starts with the leader. If the leader is afraid yes. to have an authentic, intimate uh, dialogue, then you know what? His team, his leadership team is going to reflect that right back to him. Yeah, absolutely. It, right. It's important to get out there. You know, I, I'll tell you, I ran one plant. It was a heavily unionized plant up in Pennsylvania. And um, the union and management never got along. There was an animosity between the two. And I came in as a fairly young uh, vice president, general manager, and I walked the shop every day. And every day I get the same, you know, guys that just wanted to give me crap. You know, uh, I remember one guy telling me we had bought a brand new piece of equipment and we had temporarily placed it in one, one area of the plant until we could replace the piece of equipment. And I was walking by and he says, he says, John, I got to talk to you about something. I said, okay, what do you, what do you want to talk to me about? He says, that piece of equipment over there. I said, yeah, it's your, it's going to be a new line for you. He's like, yeah, but where you put it, it's in my way. I have to walk around it every day when I go to my car at the end of the day. And, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, but instead of saying like, thanks for buying a new piece of equipment, it's going to make my job easier. It's like, you put it, you put it in my way and uh, I have to walk around it every day. So you're going to get some guys like that and that's okay, you know, but you got to be out there. You got to have, you got to have thick skin. I talk about that in my new book about one of the things about being a submariner is you had to have thick skin because, you know, people are, were going to, you know, your, your colleagues wanted to know if you could, if you were going to be strong when things got tough. Right. And so we, you know, they were always testing us and trying us to make sure we had thick skin and I think part of leaders, being a leader is to have some thick skin and not be so sensitive when somebody says, hey, you, you know, you put this piece of equipment in my way. It's, you just smile and you just move on because, you know, it's, you know, it's just someone give, have, having a bad day. So, <laughs> hey, Have you seen that uh, series on Apple TV called Ted Lasso? I have not. No, no. Oh, my God. What a great uh, testimony what you're just saying. He's always spinning the negativity into a positive. 
Yes. Yeah. It's a great yeah. role model. Check it out. I will. I will. Absolutely. So, uh, John, you mentioned a book. I want to give you an opportunity to share uh, what you've been working on. And it just was released recently. Is that right? Do I have that right? Yeah. So a couple of months ago, we released a new book called All in the Same Boat. And it's a it's a it's a really fun book. Um, it is um, it's filled with stories from my days on the, on the boat, on the submarine and how I took those lessons and applied it in business. So there's uh, more than 50 short stories in the book, which are kind of grouped around different lessons. And so I tell, you know, usually four or five sea stories, as we call it in the Navy. And then I would, I would tell a couple of business stories, how I related or took that technique and used it in the, uh, uh, in, in the business world. So, you know, my first book I wrote um, called Eye of the Watch. And a lot of people said, I love the book, but I want to hear more sea stories. So uh, this new book is sort of uh, an answer to that request from my readers. Uh, they wanted to see more sea stories. So there's a lot more sea stories. Um, so if you have any, if you're mildly interested in what life is like on a submarine, this is a fun book. Uh, if you want to learn some leadership lessons with, and, and have a few laughs along the way, this is a great book. So um, it is, it's just, it's, it's entertaining, it's educational, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fun book. And uh, it took me two and a half years to write. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun to put together. And I'm really, really proud of it. It's something that I've worked hard on, but um you know, it's just a lot of people read it and they just love the stories. And, and each story resonates with different people, depending on, you know, where what their leadership situation is like. Super cool. That's great. Yeah, I'm a big believer in, in embracing our experiences, right? And when you can harness that, you know, you probably didn't know at the time you're going through that, those things, you know, decades ago that you'd be writing a book about it. So how funny, you know, that that's the value. And I think about uh, how you started that you run, did you say nine manufacturing companies? Yes, I'm on my ninth. So hopefully this is my last one if I keep this business going. So <laughs> well, I'm I'm curious if you don't mind sharing. Like, so what are what are some of the lessons from from those businesses and how have you turned that into what you're doing today? I want to give you the opportunity to talk about your current business. Yeah. So, you know, I got an opportunity early. Um, I actually talk about it in the new book. Um, you know, uh, I don't know, you guys know Scott Adams, the Dilbert cartoon guy. Yeah. I've ever heard of him, but he he wrote a book uh called something like how to how to win, how to fail at everything and become successful, something like that. It's a great book. But um, in that, he talks about talent stacking. And uh, that's something I did early in my career. I didn't know it was called that at the time, but I called it uh, in the book, I call it skill stacking. But what I was able to do early in my career is stack a number of different skill sets like, okay, I had past leadership experience. I had engineering experience. I had QA experience. I was able to stack all those up and, and got a chance to run a plant at just 32 years old. I was promoted to running a manufacturing plant in South Carolina. And I will tell you this, that's still one of the, the best jobs I ever had in my life because it was fairly small, you know, maybe 130 employees and um, maybe 40 million in revenue. It was really easy to get your hands around. It was really easy to know all the employees. And it was really easy to make a lot of mistakes and learn along the way. And so that was my um, playground, if you will, to, to learn leadership and learn it on a, at a, a bigger scale, if you will. And, uh, and, and we just, we, we were very successful in that plant. And uh, a lot of it was people. So I spent a lot of time on the shop floor. We implemented a program uh, there, which was fun. It was called Fridays on the Floor. Because one of the things I, I, one of the things I noticed right away, the contrast between the Navy and corporate world is that we were separated. In the corporate world, 
the white collar was over here, the blue collar was over there. And the only thing we had was maybe shared break rooms or shared bathrooms, but everything else was separate. Whereas in the Navy, we all worked together. We'd spend, we'd st- you know, spend six hours standing watch together. So one of the things I said was, how do we bring these teams together? And one of the things I started doing, was started like first Friday of every month, I'd work four hours in the shop floor. It was sort of like undercover boss, you know, that, that show, but I would do it. This was long before undercover boss ever came out, but I would work four hours every month in a different place in the shop floor. And I was learning all this great stuff. I was seeing things for the first time. I was learning things. I was building relationships, right? But, and to come back and, I, and I'd gather the management team, I'd tell them everything I learned. And I noticed that they weren't as enthusiastic about it. So we rolled it out to the entire management team that everyone would go in a different place in the shop floor first Friday of every month for four hours. And then we'd come back to the conference room. We bring in pizza and we talk about what we learned. And it was just, it was almost like someone gave us the answer to the test we were all taking. It was like all the answers were right there. And uh, the employees built relationships with management, management built relationships with employees. We built mutual respect. We learned from each other and we implemented these ideas and management. The employees saw management as being actively involved in their lives. And um, we, we were actively involved with their lives. We just, the conditions got better. Productivity went up, sales went up, uh, we, we won all sorts of awards. Uh, we, were, we were actually runner up for the manufacturer of the year in South Carolina. We were hoping to win that, but uh, I was so proud to just be nominated and be on that list. But we did a lot of great things there. And I think that was where I got a chance to really see how these things can work in real time in a big environment. And from there, I just went into multi-plant uh, leadership and, and what have you. But that first plant was really where I cut my teeth and really had a lot of fun uh, with those employees and, and really spent a lot of time on the shop floor. Even today, if you saw my, I don't, I'm not in my office right now at work, but if you saw my work boots, I, I spent a lot of time on the shop floor. Uh, my, my boots don't look like somebody who has got a CEO title. It looks like someone who spends time on the shop floor, which I do. So maybe another uh, indicator and the answer to the question, you know, what, what does a leadership, what does leadership look like or how can we know, well, you know, how dirty are your boots? <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, how dirty are your boots? I think that's a really good uh, uh, example of, of, are you getting out? Are you spending time with your employees? I always say, you know, the, the best information you're going to find is in the break room, not the boardroom. And I think we don't spend enough time. Um, you know, if you know lean manufacturing, there's a thing called Gemba. Gemba is the real place, right? And the real place is where most of your employees are working. It's where value is added. So it could be a call center. It could be if you're in a school, it's where your teachers are. If you're in a plant, it's where your manufacturing resources are. And that's where Gemba is. And we don't spend enough time as leaders in Gemba. We, we like to be behind our, our desks or, you know, or, or, you know, just in a protected tower somewhere. We don't want to get down and dirty and where our people are, but that's, where we need to be, not in our tower. And, and, we, and some people say, well, I'm too busy as a leader. Well, guess what? Once you become a leader, you're no longer a doer, you're a leader and you've got to make that shift. And if you're too busy, you're an ineffective leader. So I think that's, uh, and I talk about that in the first book a lot about the busy leader and what the, how, how problematic that is. That's what resonates the most with me is, is oftentimes being a, a better leader doesn't mean doing more. It means being more strategic mm. about who you're spending your time with or the pillars in which you spend your time. And a lot of that comes with, uh, as Coach Young might attest to, just being vulnerable. And, and like yeah. you being vulnerable allows or gives the freedom to your employees to be vulnerable. So that's something that's resonating with me today. I kind of want to 
I want to go around, John, we'll give you the last word here, but Coach John, what might you be taking away from today's conversation? What's a principle that, you know, either is a reinforcement of something that uh, has been prevalent in your coaching practice, or what are you taking away from today? Um, yeah, just kind of walking in the shoes of your employees and giving them an opportunity to share without that, um, you know, kind of, I'm up here, you're down here. Mm. We're on the same level. I, I picture the submarine and you don't have the ability to be up here. No. You're on the same floor and it forces you to be intimate. Yes. So that's kind of what I'm taking away from this is, is provide some structure that makes sure you can have that intimacy with your employees so they share what you need to know and you develop a relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's why I named the, the 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 latest book "All in the Same Boat" because whether you like it or not, you're all in it together. And and you know you can say, well, you know I'm in management, I'm going to be okay, you know, or I I I don't have to follow these rules or whatever. No, that's not not it. You're all in it together. Every employee is important to your operation. We just have different roles to play, and the leader is no more important than the the person on the call. With the customer. In fact, I would say the person on the call with the customer is more important than the leader. So, mm -hmm. and I think that's uh, in that kind of mindset is different. You know, we we like, you know, we celebrate in America the big egos and the big, you know, the big salaries and the guy with the fancy suit and fancy car and 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 that's not really what 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 people need. They need somebody who can be at their level, listen to them, talk to them, hear their ideas, interact with them, and um, and help them achieve what they want in their life. You know, if you can figure out a way to align an individual's goals towards the goals of the business and fit them in the right place, you're going to be much more successful than you have people in, in jobs that they're not happy with and they're miserable and they, you know. So I think um, you can help people achieve, you know, be the best versions of themselves and accomplish the company goals at the same time, I believe. I believe that too. Anything is possible. That's we have to operate from that that basic belief system, or else what's the point, right? Like, why, why are we doing things? We want we want the ultimate fulfillment, but also results in our business. And I think that's that's what this podcast is all about. So, uh, John, we'll give you the last word. Anything you would want people to know about your business or a principle that's reinforced for you today in, in today's conversation? Uh, how do you want to leave off today? Well, I would say this is that, and, and if you follow my, um, I have a podcast called Deep Leadership, uh, and one of the, the mantras is that leadership is a people business, and that's that's kind of my, my tagline, if you will, my catchphrase, but at the end of the day, we forget that leadership is a people business, so I just remind everybody that it's all about the people. Leadership is a people business. If you're, um, if there were no people, you wouldn't be a leader. You'd be an individual contributor, so Always remember that, and if you focus on that, you'll 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 do fine. And um, so again, I've got uh, you know you can follow my podcast at Deep Leadership, uh, but also you know go to my website johnsrenny.com and you can pick up any of my books. I've got a blog out there, and uh, and I actually do two podcasts too. I do one called The X Factor as well. So, but uh, I'll be happy to talk to anyone about uh, leadership, or if you're going, especially new leaders, if you if you got a question, you know, reach out to me. I'd love to talk to you. Awesome, John. Thanks so much. We're going to feature all that in uh, the comments and the show notes. So for anybody who wants to check out more, please look below. Uh, John, just want to thank you for joining this week's episode. We'll see you next week. Okay, take care. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.